Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Today we're launching into a series called Christmas in July. And how many of you guys like Christmas? Yeah, I like if you don't raise your hand, I don't know if you're a Christian. <laughs> like you're like I, you haven't been around my family. No, that's Thanksgiving. We don't have to like Thanksgiving. No. Um, how many guys like getting gifts? Yeah. Some like it more than others. I I I like getting gifts. I really do. But I also I really love giving gifts. I, I do. Um, I'm. I'm huge. I like to I like to get my son little little Hot Wheels and Matchboxes and stuff. I mean, he doesn't always like it, but I like it. And one thing I've noticed about Matchbox and Hot Wheel cars, as I, as I've given them to him over the years, and also just his little toys in general, that Ford has a ton of Matchbox and Hot Wheels and little toys. I've noticed that, like. Like, you can get other brands, but it's mainly Ford. And I've been chewing on this. I'm like, why is it mainly Ford? And it, I finally came to the conclusion that Ford is just getting kids ready for a lifetime of pushing. <laughs> oh, come on. I thought you were going into I had to. I had to squeeze it in there. No, we're launching into a series about the gifts of the Spirit. And God is a great father. He, he is a standard for fatherhood. And we are launching into this series about the gifts of the Spirit. God loves to give good gifts. And, and not only did he give us the gift of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, and we celebrate that at Christmas, but after that, he gave us the Holy Spirit, which is like, he didn't have to give us anything. Like, when Adam, when Adam screwed up in the garden, he could have been like, all right, I'm restarting. But he didn't. He didn't have to give us a single good thing. But he chose to. And he gave us a spirit and empowered us to live a holy life through his spirit. And then the spirit of God gives us gifts. And these aren't novel ideas. You know, sometimes we talk about the gifts of the Spirit. These aren't ideas. These aren't, oh, well, that's for the super spiritual. Um, or, uh, man, I, I, wish, I wish God can use me in that way. He can. This isn't just for pastors or people who have been a Christian their whole life. Or you know, They're not. It's for every one of us. It's not like you don't start operating in gifts of the Spirit and you're like, you've arrived in your faith. No, like there is no arriving in our faith. We are just here to be used by God for his glory and our good. And we just, I find that if you just walk through life with a posture, with open hands to God, he puts in your hand what you need and he takes out of your hand what you don't need. And different times in your life, he puts different things in your hand. And, and I've also found that in ministry, the tighter you squeeze something, the faster you lose it. It's like, like, like the things that God gives you, you're supposed to hold with an open hand. If you try to squeeze it, you're going to lose it because it's, it, it, it's, it's a gift. 
And God always, he promotes and, and he wants us to receive, not just receive these gifts, he wants us to accept these gifts because they're a gift. And then he wants us to use these gifts. So I'm going to, uh, we're going to actually jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. But I pray that through this series, each of us understand that God wants to bless us. Like, that's why he calls them gifts. He didn't call them tools. Like, as a man, like, I would love to get tools as a gift. But, no, he calls them gifts. They are a gift. They're, they're a blessing to us. God wants to bless us. I pray that we understand that God wants to empower us. He wants to empower us through his spirit. And I pray that through this series, that God will work through us for his glory and our good. I pray that we understand that. Like, God doesn't just want to use us. Like, sometimes we say, well, God wants to use you in a mighty way. You're like, well, I don't want to be used. Like, you know, because that can have a negative draw. You know, like, oh, he just used her or she just used him to get what. You know, that's not how God uses us. When God uses us, it's for his glory for sure. But it's for our good. He always works our good as he's getting glory. And the, the gifts of the Spirit are no different. So we're going to jump right into verse 1. It says, now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your questions about the special abilities the Spirit gives us. And I think that's a good way to describe it. They are special abilities. Like when you lay hands on the sick and someone's ears open, tell me atheist has, that has ever done that. Tell me a Muslim who has ever done that. I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that you know that when you were pa still Hello? Whoa. I'm going to switch microphones. Will you hand me that? There we go. Man, this makes my voice sound better. Wow. It's like smooth jazz mixed with rock tumbling in a tin can. Still rough, but it's better. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Everyone say, help each 
other. Okay, let's try it again. Help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. Some, some translations call that a word of wisdom. To another person, the same Spirit gives a special um, message of special knowledge or, or uh, the gift of knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Then at the end of chapter 12, Paul, he says, he tells us we should earnestly seek the most helpful gifts. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go through the, you know, when you were writing papers back in school. I know that, Phil, when you were in school, papyrus was a new invention, but um, I'm sorry. <sighs> the old stone tablets. No, I'm joking. But you, you had to answer these questions, who, what, when, where, and why, and how. We're going to we're going to hit some of these questions today, and I just to, we're going to dive into this deeper. But I want to give a general overview of the gifts of the Spirit, why we need them, and um, really um, how they work in our lives over the course of this series. But today, I want to I want to talk about a, a couple a couple questions: Who gives the gifts? Why does He give them? What are the gifts? And how to get the gifts of the Spirit. We're not going to spend a lot of time on each of these. But I want to give an overview to launch this series as we dive into the gifts of the Spirit throughout the series. So, who gives the gifts? I think that's pretty evident. If this was an open book test, every one of you could probably say, well, it's in the name. Gifts of the Spirit. So, Paul, but, but here's the thing, Paul goes to great lengths to, um, out of the gate to address something that is happening and is still happening. So right out the gate, before he even gets into the gifts of the Spirit, he addresses something about the Spirit. And Paul is giving clear discernment when it comes to people who claim to follow God or claim to be used by the Holy Spirit. If they go against Jesus and his word, then it is not God's spirit in them. We kind of hit on this last week of, of how if, if we come into agreement with the world and, and, what, and what they're saying and what the world is doing is out of agreement with the word of God and the character of God and what God holds sacred, then if we're agreeing with that, 
we're probably not letting the Spirit renew us because the Holy Spirit makes us like Jesus. Not just he makes us look like Jesus, but he also makes us like Jesus. The more we spend time with the Holy Spirit, the more in love with Jesus we become. We like Jesus more. We love Jesus more when we're with the Holy Spirit. He's a source of these gifts, but it's kind of interesting. In, 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 in my walking downtown and, and different conversations with different people, I find it interesting that they have a hard time with what he's saying. Paul addresses something. He says that if anyone says anything against Jesus, then the Holy Spirit is not working in them. And only by Jesus you are able to say that Jesus is Lord. And, and as last year, when I was walking downtown and I walked past that dude that was playing the guitar blindfolded, the demon-possessed man, something in me felt off and something in him felt off. And it, it was a spirit at, at work in me and the spirits that were at work in him. They were in conflict and I knew something was up. And, at, and upon conversation with him, I realized he would, he would talk about Jesus, but he would skirt around the whole issue about Jesus. Like, oh yeah, Jesus, like, but, but he would not declare Jesus as Lord. He would not do it. I tried to lead him, like, like a demon would come out, and I would say, okay, who am I talking to? He's like, you're talking to William. I'm like, okay, William, we need, you need to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He's like, I'm ready. And then we would start, I would start leading him into the sinner's prayer. And when he got to that point, his voice would change. And I'm like, I'm not talking to William anymore. And he was like, no, you're not. I'm like, that's so creepy. And so another demon would come out. But he, like, it, to recognize the, the spirits in this world will not declare Jesus as Lord. Even though they know it and they have to submit to him. And so even like not dealing with demoniacs, but just talking to people in general, um, people that believe that all ways lead to heaven, people that believe that all roads lead to Rome type of mind belief, they won't declare Jesus as Lord. Because if you declare Jesus as Lord, that means you come into agreement with what Jesus says. And what he says is, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes through the Father but through me. So you don't have to be possessed by a devil to not declare Jesus as Lord. You can be influenced by spirits that will not let you do that. Like, I just had a conversation a couple weeks ago with someone who believed all roads lead to Rome, that all religions are equally valid and all this stuff. Well, you can't declare Jesus as Lord and, and, and believe that way. Because if Jesus is Lord and King of your life, then you come into agreement with him. He makes the decisions. Paul is giving us a clear tool here to instantly recognize the things of the world and the things of the Spirit. And even if they do come and they say, oh yeah, Jesus is Lord, there are a lot of cults out there that say Jesus is Lord, but then they add things. They add things to what he said. They have whole books 
They have whole extra books in their belief system on top of the Bible. So suddenly, what, what did Paul say there? I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit will curse Jesus and no one except by the Spirit can declare he is Lord. When you add things to what Jesus says, you're, you are not making him Lord. You're making an idol to fit what you want. So Paul's giving us some discernment concerning the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he develops in us a love for Jesus. He sanctifies us to make us act like Jesus, think like Jesus, walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, love like Jesus, pray like Jesus. He makes us like Jesus. And through that, we have no problem submitting to Jesus. And if you have a problem submitting to Jesus, then the Holy Spirit's probably not work, at work within you. But then he goes on to talk about what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit gives good gifts. And it's an amazing thing because he doesn't have to. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to give us a single thing. Jesus didn't have to do a single thing for us. God doesn't have to do a single thing for us. Like, I, I, want, us if, I want us to know this today. Like, just know it in, in your knower that God loves you. That everything he does is motivated by his love for you. Because he did not have to send his son to the world to die for our sin. He chose to do that because he wants relationship with you. He, the Bible says that he is a propitiation of our sin. That means he's the atoning sacrifice. He's the atonement for not just our sin, but our iniquities. You know, Isaiah, that, that great verse, we, we, we say it often. He was wounded for our transgressions. He's bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our sin was upon him. And by his stripes we were healed. That, that's, an, a, that's an amazing verse. But sometimes we don't really talk about what iniquities and transgressions mean. Right? Like, if, if I were to ask each of you, you guys would be probably general knowledge. Like, well, we know it's bad, but, like, what it really means. Iniquities, like, iniquities is when you willingly choose to sin. Like, you, you're like, you know, like, this is sin, and I'm going to cross that line anyways. That's an iniquity. Like, you're willingly knowing in your nowhere that, that this is a line that you shouldn't cross, and the Holy Spirit's saying, don't do it, no, walk away. You know, like, you know how those eternal thoughts happen when temptation hits, and he's saying, hey, hey, come on, come on. And, and, and he's like, come on, well, what are you doing? Like, what, like, the Holy Spirit, this is what he sounds like to me a lot when, when temptation's coming. He'll, he'll say, come on, Ryan. It's just like, just this is passing thought. Hey, what are you thinking about? Like, and it's like, whoa, what am I thinking about? Where, where, like, no, why, why am I entertaining, you know, like, like get, get away from me, Satan. But it's, it's that line. Iniquity is an intentional decision to sin. But then there's transgressions. Transgressions is still sin, but it's when you do it unknowingly. Like, you're not, you're, you're, you're not going out of your way to gossip or anything like that. You, 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 you're, you're like just conveying information, you know, like the prayer, like, um, like the old prayer chains on the, on the on the phone, remember those? 
we just need to pray about them. Did you hear that their husband had a, you know, like. But the, the heart behind it wasn't to sin, but it's still sin. You know what I'm saying? It's unintentional sin. The reality is you and I cannot confess all of our sins to God. Because we sin so often that we don't even know about it. We probably gossiped this week. We didn't even realize it. We probably um, had a thought of aggravation because we watched the news. And we might have murdered someone in our heart. <laughs> Jesus said if you, if you hate someone, you murdered them. Or you know what I'm saying? Or we, we, we looked at someone a little too long. And like what I'm saying is, like we didn't go into the situation with the intention of sinning, but we still sinned unintentionally. Well, God, Jesus covered that too. He didn't have to do any of this. And, and, but he did, and it was a gift. And then he sent his spirit to not only, not, to not only um, empower us and walk with us, but to help us live a holy life. And then the spirit turns around and says, I can help them live a holy life. But you know what? I'm going to give them gifts on top of my presence. And even if he didn't have to do any of this, that's the Holy Spirit. He loves you. Who is the Holy Spirit, though? And, and I know we talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. And we will always talk about the Holy Spirit. Like, it's, it's a fundamental. We will never need it. There will never come a time in our walk with God that we don't need to review the fundamentals. If you go to a professional sports game, guess what they do in warm-ups? They do fundamentals. Fundamentals are so important. So who is the Holy Spirit? He is the third member of the Trinity. He is equal to the Father and to the Son. He is completely God. He is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. He is the manifest presence of God. If, if you felt the presence of God today, you felt the Father at work in your life. Like, he is the presence of God. The Spirit of God is the manifest presence of God. He's equal. Each member of the Trinity has a different role. The Father, he wants a relationship. And you would think, like, he's the boss, but he's not the boss. They're, they're equal, and they have a different role. And the, and the Son, the Son brings people to the Father. And the Holy Spirit brings people to Jesus. He gets us to believe in Jesus. He gets us to walk like Jesus and act like Jesus so that we can have a relationship with the Father. So now that we know who gives the gifts, how are they activated in our lives? How are they activated in our lives? I, I, I would say that the gifts are activated in our lives by three things. Trust, faith, and action. Trust, faith, and action. We have got to trust God. Period. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That has like my, been my life verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own logic. The Holy Spirit will ask you to do things that are illogical to your human brain. He will tell you to do things. He will tell you to, to, to wake up in the middle of the night and, and, and he'll lay people on your heart to pray for or call. Um, he'll, 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 it's crazy sometimes. 
He told me driving home one time um, to call my cousin who I haven't talked to in 15 or 20 years and to pray for her health because she got diagnosed with something. I'm like, I don't know if she's been diagnosed with anything, but the Holy Spirit does. That's a gift of special knowledge. And so I called her and I asked her, and she's like, yes, I got out of the doctor today, and only my father knows about it, my uncle. And so we prayed, and the Lord healed her because that's how he works it's not logical, but I had to trust. I had I had to trust, and then I had to take a step of faith. The faith and the action part go hand in hand because you can have faith. Oh, God will move if I do this, but you got to do it for God to move. James says, "Faith without action is is dead." So we can have all the faith in the world that God will do something, but that's really not faith. It isn't. It's not faith until you step. It's then your faith is activated. It's, it's activated upon the action. So God, he, he loves the fact that we believe that he can and will. But then faith is activated upon the step, upon the motion. Maybe it's a small step, just call someone or pray for someone. But I find that We can believe a long time and God not do anything because he's waiting on the step. It's not that he doesn't want to, but faith without action is dead. It won't work. It, faith requires action to work. And so the gifts in our life require trust. I got to trust God that he, he's telling me to do this and then faith in action. I gotta, I, and not only I'm going to trust him that he's telling me to do this, that, he's, that he works all things together for my good and his glory, but I'm going to have faith that he's going to move. Like I have faith today that Chelsea is going to be healed and not need surgery. I have faith that Bob is going to be healed and that all those issues in his body in the knees, that he won't need that walking stick anymore. I have faith, but it requires action. So the next question I want to ask is why does he give them to us? Well, he loves us. He loves us. Like, that's the baseline for why God gives us gifts. Any blessing that you get from God is because he loves you. He is overly in love with you. God loves you more than you could ever love him. God, uh, is like any parent understands this. Your children can say, I love you, but you love your children so much more than your children can ever love you. Like, like you don't understand this. Like, when I became a dad, understanding God's love for me was mind-blowing because I know that he loves me infinitely more than I love my kids. And so when he gives us a gift, he does it because he loves us. He is madly in love with you. He's madly in love with all of you. All of you. He doesn't say, just come partly to me and leave your mess back there. No, he's like, bring it all to me. And we'll work on it together. 
These gifts are for us. So he gives them because he loves us. But then on, on top of that, it's not like he gives us gifts so he, can, he alone can be glorified. Yes and, and no. What does the Bible say about these gifts? These gifts are for us to help each other. He loves us so much that he wants to empower us to help one another. He wants to empower us to help one another with these gifts of the Spirit. So the, the, a gift of knowledge or a gift of wisdom or, or special you know, faith or great faith. Like some of us, have you guys ever walked through life and you, you felt like, oh, this, I can't make it another step. And I feel so discouraged. God where, God, where are you? And you just feel so drained. And you're like, you have zero faith. And then someone comes along beside you. And they just speak faith into you. Like, God's going to come through. God's going to show up. He's got you. And they just declare over you the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And then suddenly you walk out of that conversation like, okay, yeah, I'm going to make it. God has not failed me before. And, like, they're operating in this gift of faith. And, and it's because he, every one of these gifts is to help the body of Christ. Because he loves us. He loves us. So to activate them, we need trust, faith, and action. But to receive them, we have to accept them. Like this is from God. I can, I can give you a gift, but if you don't accept it, it's useless. If you don't use it, it's pointless. It's just going to go to waste. And what I find is so tragic, too many Christians feel like this is not for them. That God can't use me that way. God doesn't do that type of stuff anymore. There are whole denominations that don't believe that the things of the Spirit are for us today. There are people maybe in here that don't feel qualified to be used by God. You're like, I'm not that spiritual. I haven't been saved that long. But at the end of the day, you don't get to decide who gets the gifts. It's the Holy Spirit. I've seen people that are completely new to their faith just walk up and lay hands on people and they get healed. And all because they just had faith and God used them in that way. And then we have other people that... You're like, well, and, and instead of celebrating it, I know I, I know I can only speak for myself, but instead of celebrating that moment, we like jealous. I can't believe God used him like that and he didn't use me. Like, you know, like, let's, I mean, let's be honest. Instead of celebrating, wow, God moved and God gets all the glory. We're like, I want to be used like that. Like, I, I get it. I want to be used by God too, but it's, for his glory, and he gets to decide. We're not the deciders. So we receive and accept. We receive and accept. These gifts are for us to help each other, not think we are something more than a brother or a sister trying to be like Jesus. They're not a sign that we're more holy than anyone. They're not a sign of maturity in your faith. The gifts of the Spirit aren't. If you, re, if, 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 you, if you remember, the Bible says God uses the dumb things of the earth to shame the wise. So if God starts using you, you might, 
It, if, you, if you recall, the Lord, the Bible says God uses the weak things to shame the strong. It's not about what we think is a, quali- a qualification. It's all about the Spirit. And He decides. These gifts aren't a sign of maturity or holiness. You don't get a point to you don't you don't get to a point where you earn these gifts. They're a gift. The Spirit chooses who He wants to give them to, not us. But God gives them so we can walk arm in arm to spur each other, to lift each other up, to encourage each other, and to protect each other. That's why God gives them. We spur each other on with these things. We lift each other up. God might heal your body to protect one another. So I have two more questions. What are the gifts? And I'm not going to spend, I'm going to read these out, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time in them. What are the gifts? Wisdom. Special knowledge. So have you ever had that friend that is a follower of Jesus and you just like you're 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 wrestling something and the Lord and, and you need good godly advice. And you, we all know that person. They're probably operating in the gift of wisdom. Special knowledge. Special knowledge is like when you when you go to pray for someone and suddenly you know intimate details about their life and you're like There's no other way to know these things other than by the Holy Spirit. And this one scares the living daylights out of me. Because if you walk out and you start reading someone's mail that you don't know, they're either going to think you're a stalker or they're going to be blown away. Like, how do you know this? And from my experience, they're blown away. And every time the Lord has laid something on my heart like this, and this one, in my opinion, requires so much faith because you really are going to step out and you're going to be like, if I'm wrong, I'm going to look like the biggest fool ever. But the Holy Spirit's never wrong. And um, there's so many stories downtown when people walk past me and I just have a passing thought about their life. I'm like, what in the, like, I'll, I'll be walking, it's it's weird. Or I'll be walking through Walmart and or the gym, and like there was one time I was just lifting weights, and I just I saw this guy. We made eye contact, and the Holy Spirit said he just lost his father. And I'm like, Ugh. so what do you want me to do? <laughs> like you you didn't tell me like that that didn't I don't naturally just look at people and think oh yeah. They're grieving. I, I, I don't. Like, most of the time when I have a blank, dumb look on my face, it's because I'm blank and dumb. So, it's, it's, my face expresses what's going on in my head. And so, I'm like, all right, I, I need, like, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do here? And he's like, I want you to go pray with him. Let's go pray with him. Like, what, what would you do? So, I, I just walked up to him. I said, man, you don't know me from Adam. This kid's like 22, 23 years old. 
I said, but man, I feel like you're grieving the loss of your father. And, I, the, whole, and the Holy Spirit, God told me to come pray with you. And he was like, oh my gosh, he died last week. And we ended up going out to coffee and just talking and praying. He's, he's plugged into a church, which is good. He has family, which is good. But he's like, I just don't know how much that means to me. Like, it, and how it ministered to him was that God sees him. A complete stranger, a complete stranger, God laid on his heart to just go pray with him. Because that's how the body of Christ works. He's not a assembly of God. Who cares? He's in the body of Christ. And God saw him. And it, and it takes faith. Great faith. That's when you look at something and you say, okay, God, you can do something here. Every time I pray in here, know what I see in this room? I see two services on Sunday with 200 people apiece. I see drug addicts and homosexuals here. I see every time I walk this building, I walk the property, I see that parking lot full. And I'm not just saying that. I believe God's going to do it because he wants to grow his kingdom. Every time I walk downtown, I intentionally park across the street from Destiny Church, and I walk around, and as I walk back to my car, I can see Destiny, and I pray for that because I see that church filled three and four times because I want the kingdom of God to grow and God's name be glorified, and I, I want to rob hell and populate heaven, and God wants to do the same. But you, we walk by faith and not by sight. We can, it's easy to look at things through our physical eyes and say, oh, this is never going to get better. Or we can say, no, God says upon this rock, I will grow my church. Or um, when you get a diagnosis, the, the facts of the matter is, oh, this is cancer. That's a fact. But the truth of God trumps the facts of the world 100% of the time. And the, the truth is, God is our healer. He is our healer. Or you get a bill, and you look at the bill, and like, God, there's more coming out than what I have coming in. But that's a fact. You can't deny the facts. Faith doesn't deny facts. Faith leans on truth. And it says, yes, that's a fact. But the truth is, God says, I am your provision. And I will provide according to, not your need, your glory and riches, but according to mine. And God's not short on glory or riches. Great faith looks at the truth of God's word that trumps the facts of life every time. And it encourages and spurs other people along to see things differently. It's like <laughs> when someone brings something, I'm like, well, let's look, let's look at the word of God and let's filter our sight through the word of God and how he's going to move. Healing. Healing is healing. Like you were sick and now you're not. Your ears were plugged, and now they're not. Your eyes were blind, but now they see. That's what God does. I was counting it up the other day. You know, since Easter, we've probably had, it's been over like 40 people get healed. Just text messages, different things, like, like, 
confirmed through doctors. It's crazy. But God is a healing God. Miracles. Like, well, isn't healing a miracle? It is. But have you ever laid hands on a car that wouldn't start? <laughs> That's a miracle. Have you ever, have you ever de- declared something into existence through faith? That's a miracle. Prophecy. Prophecy is... <laughs> the Bible says in the Old Testament you, you test the prophet, but in the New Testament you test the prophecy. And prophecy is declaring something about the future that only God can make happen. I believe that this church is going to be filled up. I, I believe multiple times on Sunday and maybe on Wednesday too. I believe it. I believe one day in the name of Jesus that this property won't be enough. It won't be the first time this church has moved. It's moved three times because it's grown. Because God wants to grow his kingdom. But I can't make that happen. I can't make the church grow. You know, my first year here, I invited over 800 people to church. Walking downtown, I had a stack of invite cards. It was like this. And as I was praying with them, I'm like, oh, you should come to church. They already had a church. I wouldn't invite them. But, and even just in the last three weeks, you know, they're like, hey, where do you pastor? I'm like, See, oh, I'll be there. They say eight out of ten people statistically will come to church. And I think God has been working in me like you're not going to, you can't grow the church. Because what's 8 out of 10 out of 800? Oh, come on. We're not from Arkansas. We can do math. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. But once again, the Lord has been reminding me it's on me. Not, not me, but him. Upon this rock. Upon this rock. Discernment. Have you guys ever walked into a, a moment and you knew something was off because it rubbed you wrong? You're like, oh no, this is not from God. That's discernment. Tongues and interpretation. This is probably the most common one amongst Pentecostals. Happens a lot during services. But when we speak in tongues, our personal prayer life, when we with the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Spirit, that is us, that's the Holy Spirit speaking through us to God. But when, when there's tongues and interpretation in a corporate setting, that's God speaking through us to his church. One goes this way and one comes this way. And this, this is the gift of the Spirit, tongues and interpretation, is God speaking through us to us. Where when we pray in our personal prayer language of tongues, that's God speaking through us to him for us. If you ever wonder the difference. So how to get the gifts of the Spirit. We talked about they're activated by, by trust, by faith and action. We talked about how we have to receive them and accept them. They have to, you have to accept a gift in order for it to be a gift. You have to. 
but how to get the gifts. Paul's clear in verse 11 that the Holy Spirit distributes them. It says, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And from my experience, I do believe that there are people who are more gifted in one area or, or another. But I also think that the Lord will use the willing in any given situation. If you're willing to step in faith, God will use you. He might use you um, with discernment. He might use you to heal, like to, to lay hands and heal somebody. I remember one time, uh, my son, um, they thought he had uh, meningitis. His white blood cells tanked. I had a, a board meeting. It was one of my first board meetings, and I, I went fancy for the board that week. I got Popeyes <sighs> chicken, and it was all ready, and we were going to have our board meeting. And Amy, as Peyton, I mean, he was just over a year old, and he just wasn't feeling right. And I was like, let's just take him to the doctor. She took him to the doctor, and they did some blood tests on him, and they said, you need to get him. You need to get him to um, the children's hospital. I forgot the name of it. Vanderbilt Children's. Like, like you want us to call an ambulance? Or, and I was like, no, we'll, we'll just drive him. And she calls me, and I'm like, that's my son. I don't know what to do. I said, guys, <laughs> I have to go to the hospital. And like all, um, all of them are like, excuse me, you're canceling the board. No, I'm just joking. They're like, get out of here. Why, like, why aren't you already up there? Get out of here. You need to go. And as Amy drove through to pick me up, the board walked out there and just um, walked up and started praying. And I remember the, the prayer. And Randy Tosh prayed. He prayed and he said, now, Lord, you took a beating for our healing. And that's stuck in my head. And I've made it my own. But let me tell you, between leaving that awning and getting to Vanderbilt and them doing more tests, they said, we don't know what they were talking about. He's completely fine. He's completely fine. And he's never had anything like that before. You know, he was up there shadow boxing with me and beating me up in the face. He said, if he had meningitis, he would not be doing that. And... Um, so he gives us different gifts as we need them he's a distributor of them like I do believe that there are some people that just the Lord continues to use them in that capacity but they're willing to be continued to be used so how how do they get how do we get the gifts? We receive and accept, I get that. How do we posture ourselves in a way to receive and accept? I I can't help but think it's closeness and intimacy. My children get gifts from me because they're close to me and they're intimate with me. They love their daddy, and their daddy loves them. I don't get gifts for my nieces and nephews and all them. They're not mine. I love them, but they're not mine. Closeness and intimacy to their father postures them 
in a way to receive gifts from me. Just yesterday, we were playing and everything, and we had to go to Walmart, and they said, Daddy, can we get some toys? And their mom was like, absolutely not. I'm just joking. Um, they're like, we, we looked at each other, and we're like, yeah, you can get some toys, but why? Like, we just got them some dollar toys, but it's just because we love our kids, and they're close to us. And when you're close to your father, it's easier to receive from him. There are people in here or listening online that you never had a good father and you never got a single thing from him because he wasn't close to you or intimate with you. But our father wants to be close to us. Just last night, I was praying in the living room about this message. And I was so distracted. I had a million thoughts going through my head. And I finally just stopped. And I lay down on the floor. And I just started binding every thought. Like, I, I, like I've never been flooded with my... I was like, God, do you even want me to pr preach this message? I, I'm, I'm wrestling so hard. And finally I came to the conclusion that... I either am wrestling because God doesn't want me to preach it or Satan doesn't want me to preach it. And when God doesn't want me to preach it, he usually puts something else in my heart to preach. And I didn't have something else in my heart to preach. So I just started doing warfare and I started crying out before the Lord. I started binding every thought and I just started rebuking um, the, the, this demonic. It was just a heaviness that came over as I'm looking through this and I'm laying down crying before the Lord and and I woke Sky up. And Sky heard her daddy crying. And what she did was she got out and she walked into the living room and she just got next to me and just gave me a hug and gave me a kiss as I was crying out before the Lord. What does it have to do with spiritual gifts? She was close enough to hear her father. When she heard her father's heart's cry, she was spurred to act. She wanted to come close to me when she heard me crying. And seriously, she just walked up. I had praise and worship going through some Bluetooth. I pulled one out. I put it in her ear as we were holding each other. And she just listened to this song with me called Fear Is Not My Future. It says, fear is not my future, you are. Death is not the end, you are. And we just listened to this worship song. And I pulled it out. She gave me another big hug and went back to bed. If we want to operate in the gifts and we want to receive these gifts, how do you get them? Posture yourself in a way that you're close to the Father so you can hear Him. Be intimate with Him. You know why you're able to tell whether something is from God or not? It's because you spend time with the genuine presence of God. No counterfeit will do when you have the genuine presence of God. You know the difference. May I submit to you that closeness and intimacy of relationship will allow you to posture yourself 
to receive and accept what the Holy Spirit has for you. He tells us to earnestly seek the most helpful gifts. We should want these gifts active in our lives. We should want to be used by God with these gifts, not for ourselves, but for each other. We should want this. But I find that if you seek the giver of the gifts, you'll be postured in a way when he says, go pray for that person's healing. You can operate in it. Or, hey, that person's struggling with depression and having thoughts of suicide. Special knowledge. And you can operate in it. Because you spent time in close proximity. You've learned those passing thoughts of the Holy Spirit. You've learned how to lean in. To, to, to say, okay, God. I, I, that passing thought, I'm going to lean in and chew on it. God, is this you? And you've learned his voice. You've learned how he communicates so you can step in, in what he wants you to step in and how he wants you to step. Maybe he wants you to encourage someone, which is great faith. Maybe he wants you to prophesy over someone's life. That's scary because only God can make it happen. But once again, it's not about you. It's to edify one another. Identify one another. It's not about me. So we posture ourselves. We posture ourselves in a way that we can draw close to Jesus. Draw close to the giver of the gifts. Just like Skye, when she heard her father's voice, she moved. When she heard her father's heart, she moved. My kids get gifts from me because they're mine and they're close to me. Today, what I want to do is to get close to the giver. I want to go and I want us to take communion. I think communion is such a healthy way to to remember what God, what, what, what the ultimate gift was, Jesus. You get close to the giver. And then after we take communion, I want to take time in the presence of God. If you need prayer today, after communion, I'll be right up here and I would love to pray with you. But let's seek the giver. Instead of saying, Lord, give me this gift. (laughs) Say, Lord, I'm willing to be used by you however you want. Whenever you want, wherever you want. I once heard a missionary say, they were missionaries to India. They, they, They wrote a, uh, a book about human trafficking and they, they started a ministry to get young women out of human trafficking, trafficking in India and it's, the book's called Behind the Soiled Veil 
and they started this ministry called like I, I believe it's um, Pro- Project Rescue Project Rescue and he once said this the, the missionaries are the grants and I'll never forget it but he said if you want to be used by God so this is what I pray God I'm cash in your hands spend me wherever you like you know money doesn't get an option where it gets spent it just gets spent and when we have that posture to God he will use us in ways that we can't even imagine there's some people in this room that say I don't feel qualified that's the point none of us are none of us are qualified to be used by God but he uses us anyways because it's about him his glory and our good. And we don't get to dictate. Money doesn't get to dictate. And and maybe that's our prayer today. After communion, as we stand in the presence and we declare, God, I'm, I'm cash in your hands. Spend me where you want. To whoever, whenever, wherever. Spend me. I don't want to have any change left in my life when I go to heaven. I want to go to heaven completely spent.